Well, welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. God bless you. I am so glad that you have tuned in to this session. We are studying the first epistle of John, and we'll begin in chapter 3 today. And I want to go ahead and give to you a, just a brief introduction of this chapter. In this chapter, the Apostle John, who is the writer of this, uh, this wonderful, wonderful letter, he is presenting to his readers the greatest evidence of the Christian faith, which is the love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which has been given to us. And all of this comes through God's grace. It doesn't come through our merit, doesn't come through uh, the merit of, uh, of church membership or water baptism or anything like that. It comes uh, solely through the, the merit of the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. Amen. And so this tremendous love uh, is to be manifested in our outer life. So this is uh, the practical application of what the Apostle John is going to be writing to us and talking to us in this chapter. Amen. And so this manifestation of the love of God uh, helps separate us or causes us to separate from the culture of this world, and it leads us into uh, living a holy life. Uh, now, this is something that Albert Barnes wrote, and I want to read it to you. He says this concerning chapter 3. This chapter, therefore, is occupied mainly with stating what are the evidences of true piety or true holiness. And in order to determine this question, there is perhaps no part of the Bible that may be studied with more profit than this portion of the writings of John. Amen. So even though um, John wrote this letter to the church as a whole, you know, he wrote the letter to all believers. The more I study this letter, the more I come to the realization that if there is one letter in the Bible that should be studied by every young believer, every young Christian, it should be this letter, the first epistle of the Apostle of John, because in this letter he addresses little children. And of course, in our last session, last couple of sessions, we identified little children as being young converts, those that know that they're saved, but that's all they know. And so this is a tremendous, tremendous letter uh, that I think uh, should be directed towards them. Amen. But before we begin, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you now and we thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into all the truth and will make the wisdom of God known to us. So, Father, we ask you now. Give us wisdom and revelation concerning you and your will. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and begin. First John chapter three, beginning in verse one. Notice John writes and he says this. Behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. Let's go ahead and break this uh, verse down. Notice that John says, behold, what manner of love or what foreign kind of love? I like to use the word transcendent. What transcendent kind of love 
the Father has bestowed upon us. We could say it this way. Behold, how great God's love is toward us. <laughs> Amen. Now, to us, it's not a foreign kind of love because we have tasted the Lord and we have seen that he is good. Amen. And his love is good. We have been touched by his love. But when it comes to the world, it is a foreign kind of love. Uh, the world doesn't understand the love of God. Now, they understand all the different types of love, but they don't understand the love of God. Agape. I mean, this is a love that transcends all other type of human love. It's the kind of love that uh, exceeds the limits of natural human love. It's the kind of love that surpasses human love. And the only way that we can know this love is that we have to know the lover. And that lover is God the Father and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. And notice that it says that John says here that the father has bestowed this love upon us. In other words, he's given us this love and it comes to us through the new birth. Praise God. And this love entitles us to be called then the sons of God. Amen. That we should be called the sons of God. Praise the name of the Lord. This is what we're called to. This is what we're named. We're called and named the, the sons and daughters of God. And it all begins with God himself and his wonderful plan of salvation that he demonstrated through bringing Christ to this earth. Amen. Praise God. So what foreign kind of love the father has bestowed us this love now that we have come to know. Amen. Because now the father inhabits us. And when the father comes in, his love comes in. Praise God. And so we now we know and understand and we experience the love of God. Now, we do not understand the depths, but we can come to know that. Praise God. As a matter of fact, Paul prayed that prayer into uh, the letter to the Ephesians that we would come to know the full dimension of God, the length, the breadth, the depth, the height of his love. Praise God. Amen. The world can't comprehend this love. But now you and I have the knower in us. Amen. That's the Godhead. He has come to show us and to teach us, cause us to experience his tremendous love. And then John goes on and he writes this. He says, therefore, the world knows us not. Now, this is a present active indicative. And it means note. Come to a personal experience. The, the world does not have the personal experiential knowledge of God nor of his love. Therefore, notice he says, therefore, the world knows us not. The world is foreign to us and we are foreign to the world. We speak another language a language that the world does not understand. As long as we maintain this high and lofty place. Now, if we come down into the area of the flesh, which I, I'm, I'm beginning to think sometimes we have to, uh, in order to minister to men eyeball to eyeball. But now when it comes to the representation of Christ, amen, we, we must allow the love of God Amen. To be preeminent and premier in our life. 
And so we understand this, that the world didn't know Christ and they rejected him. And so we should not think it to be a strange thing that uh, the world will reject us. Now, not all of the world will reject us. I mean, there's many that when we go and we preach the word of God, they're going to turn their nose up at it. They're going to turn around and walk away. They're going to reject it. And that's because they're, 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 their God is not our father. Their God is the God of this world, the devil. But there are going to be those who, whom God opens uh, their hearts to receive the engrafted word so that they can be saved. Praise God. So once again, behold, what manner, what foreign kind of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That is a title. That's something that we are named and called to. Praise God. What an honor. What a privilege. Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. Amen. The only way the world is going to know us and is going to know Christ is through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has got to open up their hearts. He will not unless the light of the glorious gospel is preached unto him. And that's our job. That's what we are to do. Now, verse two says this, beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Now, verse three, and every man that has this hope in himself purifies himself, keeps himself pure, is in the process of keeping himself pure cleansing himself on a daily basis, even as he is pure. Now, that's very important. Amen. Notice what the love of God does. The love of God leads us into a holy life. Amen. So uh, this statement, verses two and verse three, once again, forms in this letter, in the apostolic teaching, the affirmation of the doctrine of eminence. Amen. The soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though the, his coming is delayed now for 2000 years, we still live our lives as if he's going to come any moment. That's how we keep our lights on. That's how we keep our, keep our lamps burning. Praise God. And how do we look for him? Well, in the interim, looking for him to come at any moment, we lead pure and holy lives. And the only way that you and I are going to lead pure and holy lives is that we put the word of God first. Amen. The word of God must have first place in our life. And so our thought and our actions should be based upon this. Whatever the word of God says, that's what I'm going to do. Amen. And that's how we live. Now, I know you're not going to have the friends that you that you want by living that kind of life. But would you have would you rather have the friends of the world and face defeat or would you have rather have the friend of Christ and know that you will receive the victory? Praise God. Amen. You see, we have to disentangle and disengage ourselves from the world. The world is going to put us to sleep. But we are not to fall asleep. We are to keep ourselves awake. We are to be sober. Amen. And we are to adopt, adopt the Jesus culture. And that's the word culture. 
that's living our word, living our lives. Amen. According to the word of God. And in order to do that, we're going to have to live in holiness and in separation. Praise God. I want to read you a portion of scripture. Now, this is found in Matthew 25. Very familiar. This is the parable of the ten virgins. Notice what uh, what Jesus says here. He says, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. That's where most of the church is right now. But at midnight, there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there will not be enough for us and you too. go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. And then he says this word in verse 13, be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour that the Lord comes. Now, this is why we are to be ever ready. Amen. Praise God. We're to have our lamps burning. We're always to be looking up for that's where our redemption draws nigh. So if you're living a, a cool life, if you're living a backslidden life, I encourage you right now in the name of Jesus, you just go ahead and just make that check, repent, make that check and say, you know what, Lord, I commit and consecrate myself to put the word of God first. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to straighten myself up and I'm going to begin to walk. Amen. Maybe you're getting a little slack in your prayer life. Maybe you're getting slack in your time of Bible reading and study. Well, just make that change right now. Praise God. Make yourself ready. The Lord is coming. He is returning and we will go to him, whether it be by rapture or by the grave, one or the other. We're going to go and live in the presence of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to have that abundant entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Don't you? Praise God. I do not want to be ashamed. I do not want to hang my head in shame at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, because I knew that I did not those things that I knew I should do. I didn't do them. That's, that would be a terrible situation. Praise the Lord. All right, let's move on. All right, now this is the contrast between those who are in sin and those who are in righteousness. If you're born again today, you are in righteousness. Just make sure that you're practicing righteousness. Amen? Praise God. Verse 4. Whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Now, this is a present active participle. And really what what Paul, what John is saying here, whoever is committing sin, whoever is in the practice of sin is transgressing the law. And so a present active participle means it's the habit of doing something. The ing. 
practicing sin as a way of life. Whoever is practicing sin as a way of life is in open rebellion against and in transgression of the law. Well, I thought the law was done away. No, the law as a means of righteousness was done away in Christ. But not but not the law as a way of practice, because, you know, as well as I do. Amen. The very moment you got born again, you did not have any problem keeping the Ten Commandments. You knew how to do that and you knew it and you could not not just that you knew it. You could do it. You had the power. You had the authority because you had the lawgiver on the inside of you. Amen. Praise God. So born again, people, they're going to obey the Ten Commandments. And that's really the key. Obedience is the key, isn't it? Praise God. So whoever is committing sin is living and practicing sin as a way of life is transgressing the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. This is what Robertson, A.T. Robertson says concerning this. Everyone that is doing sin, practicing sin as a way of life, is also practicing lawlessness. Because sin is lawlessness. And lawlessness is anti-Christian. Amen. And who is the father of the anti-Christian? Well, it's the Antichrist. And practicing sin as a way of life, uh, we're following the Antichrist. We're not following the Lord Jesus. Now, I want want us to just take a, a moment here, and I want us to look at the word obedience. And it comes from the Greek word, and I'll pronounce it for you, hupakoa. 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 I think I got it right. And it means to obey. It means to comply. It means to submit. And Paul said this in Romans chapter six and verse 16. Notice he says, know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants. You are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Born again people obey righteousness. They are servants of righteousness. People in the world, they're not of righteousness. They are servants of sin. Those who practice sin as a way of life are servants of sin. And then John says this in verse 5, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Notice, he was manifested. He was manifested to you. He was manifested to me. Think about that. Think about the 21 years that I was alive on this earth and I never God Christ never manifested himself to me until that Wednesday night, October the 13th. I mean, really manifested my, himself to me to where I knew and I understood his presence. Now, I'm sure that Christ manifested himself to me many years before that, but I didn't see that. I didn't recognize that. I just walked right past him without noticing him. But that Wednesday night, amen, he, he stood right in front of me, praise God. And I'm not talking about literally. I'm talking about uh, through the gospel. And I saw him. And, in, and when I saw him manifested, his word manifested, the gospel manifested, I, something was also manifested to me. And that is how much of a sinner I was. 
But I tell you, the Lord Jesus, he was so, so gracious, so full of love. He took away my sin. And notice what uh, John writes here in verse five. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sin and in him is no sin. Notice that in him is no sin. He is higher than the heavens. He is separate from sinners. He did no sin. That's what that's what Peter says for even unto even unto even for even I'll get it right for even here unto were you called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth when he reviled, he reviled not again when he suffered, he threatened not. Amen. Praise God. And then, of course, Paul says this, Christ Jesus, speaking of the Lord Jesus, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, there's no sin in him. He, he was made sin. He took our sin. He bore our sin. That's exactly what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 53. When he said, my servant prophesying, he said, my servant will justify many as he will bear their iniquities, carrying them away, bearing them upon himself and carrying them away. That's exactly what uh, the Lord Jesus did for us in his death, burial and resurrection. Praise God. So Christ was manifested to take away our sins. Aren't you glad you're free of sin? Aren't you glad that he manifested himself to you, his love and his grace and his mercy? Praise God. And he took your sin and he bore it away and gave you his righteousness. Amen. Verse six says this. Now, whosoever abides in him. Now, the word abide is the Greek word means, means remain. It means remain. It comes from the Greek verb meno. And we've talked about this before. This is a very popular word that that John uses. As a matter of fact, in the Gospels and in his epistles, he uses this word 16 times. Think about that. 16 different times. And it means remain. So we could say this way. Whoever remains in him sins not. Isn't that interesting? There are many people in this world that call themselves Christians, but they're not remaining. Remember what Jesus said? He whoever hears my word and continues in it, he said, will be blessed. Praise God. So we have to continue in these things. Whosoever continues in him sins not, does not practice sin as a way of life. Whoever practices sin as a way of life does, has not seen him and certainly does not know him. Amen. Praise God. So the habit of sin is the proof that one does not and cannot know God, not until he repents, not until he comes to Christ, humbles himself, repents of sin, asks Christ and receives Christ by faith into his heart and life and is born again. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it's Christ himself who gives us through the gospel now, through the new birth, gives us the spiritual vision and the spiritual knowledge to see these things. Amen. To see Christ. I didn't really know Christ. I didn't see Christ prior to October the 13th, 1971. But when the gospel was preached and the Holy Spirit 
took that gospel and, and, and opened and pricked my heart, then I began to see really who Jesus is, not just a historical figure, but someone who has come personally to me uh, to save me. Praise God. Now, John goes on and he says, as little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Now, who are the little children? They're the young believers. They know Christ, but beyond that, they have very, very little knowledge. And so that's why this letter is so important to young believers. He that does righteousness is righteous. And I know there's a lot of popular teaching out there in the world today directed towards young people. They think that they can go out and live a life of sin and still get to heaven. And that's not true. There is an absolute. There is absolute good. There is absolute evil. Sin is absolute evil. It's lawlessness. That's what John tells us. Righteousness is absolute good. It follows. Righteousness follows uh, the life and the nature and the love of God. Amen. So John says this, little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. You have the same righteousness in you as a believer that Christ is. Christ is righteous. Amen. He is righteous and he has imparted that righteousness to you. So that's what we look to. That's what we yield to. And then verse eight says this. He that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That means he will render powerless. The works of the devil. Satan doesn't have any power over you. You've been loosed from his bondage of sin and death. Jesus now holds the keys of death and hell. He's the one that you and I are trusting in, not the devil. The devil has no power over us. He has no authority over us. Now, he can move through people who yield to him. But he can't come to you. He can't take authority and power over you. He doesn't have that. He hasn't been granted that. We've been translated out of the power of darkness. We're not under his power any longer. We're not under his authority. We have been translated out of his authority, out of his power into the kingdom of his dear son. This is where this is the authority that we're under. Now we're under the authority of Christ. We're under the authority of love. Amen. Praise God. Now, this is the nature of the devil. John, Jesus expressed that in John chapter eight, verse 44, talking about the devil. He says he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. Christ charges the devil himself with the murder of Abel. Now, Cain was the accomplished because he was of the evil one. And we'll find that out the further we go along. But notice, Jesus charges the devil with the murder of Abel. The devil's got blood on his hands. And he's not going to be able to wash it off. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. And then John says this, for this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He did that on the cross when he cried out, it is finished. Amen. Praise God. The work was done. Glory to God. 
So now verse nine says, whoever is born of God does not commit sin, does not practice sin as a way of life for his seed remains in him. Seed comes from the Greek word sperma. It's how we produce. Amen. For his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. We've received the spirit, not of this world, but we've received the spirit, which is of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Now, verse 10, in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loves not his brother. So we're showing the contrast now between those who know God and those who don't know God. And so what Wycliffe says concerning these verses is that uh, they're written in the perfect participle means that he has been and continues to remain born of God. So you have been and you continue to remain born of God. Amen. And those that are in the world continue to practice the habit of sin. Amen. See, they have the seed that's going to perish. It goes back to uh, the idea of the wheat and the tares. And notice here, let me go ahead and just read a couple verses of this parable. Uh, in verses 29 and 30, when Jesus was asked by the slaves, shall I go and root the tares up? And he said, no. He says, leave the tares, let them grow up with the wheat. And then at harvest time, we'll separate them. And notice what he says. He says, this, he says that uh, gather up the tares and bind them up and throw them in the fire, but gather the wheat and place it into my barn. Amen. But the thing here, and this is the truth of this parable, is I want us to notice how the tares are being preserved as long as the wheat is yet to be harvested. So if there's anybody in this world that is praying for the Lord to delay his coming as long as possible. It's the sinners in the world. Because as soon as the wheat is harvested and placed into God's barn, amen, that's, that's in Christ, praise the Lord, uh, that now they're going to be plucked up. So finishing out these uh, next three verses, in this the children of God are manifest and in the children of the devil. Whoever does not righteous, doesn't practice righteousness is not of God. Neither is he that loves his brother. So if somebody is not practicing righteousness, he's not going to practice love either. Amen. And we're, we've run out of time. We'll have to stop right here and pick up in verse 11 next in next session. But we need to understand this. If we're born of God, then that means we're born of love. We have the love of God on the inside of us. Amen. And this distinguishes us and separates us from the world, because if we love God, then we're going to love him. We're going to love holiness. We're going to walk in love. And that love is going to produce a holiness, a separation in us. We're going to separate from the things of the world because we know that those things cannot please God. Amen. Aren't you glad that you know Jesus? Aren't you glad that you're on the victory side? Praise God. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we bless you today. We thank you for the encouragement that we receive from this world. Now, Lord, uh, we just make it our daily endeavor to keep ourselves in the love of God and to keep ourselves separated from the things of the world because, Lord, we love you 
And we love people. We love our neighbor. We desire to see good. We desire to see them one to the Lord through His goodness because we know it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So, Father, we give you the praise, honor, and glory for that today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.